Wow. Whitney, I want you to introduce me everywhere I go for the rest of my life. Thank you. You guys can have a seat at all of our campuses. If you're joining us online from your home or a coffee shop or your couch, welcome to New Spring Today. It's our second week back in person, our gatherings, 14 campuses. Here at Anderson, uh, this room is full. The balcony, our East Auditorium is so good to be able to be back with people. For an extreme extrovert like me, nothing makes me happier than to see my masked friends. Is this not the year, if you've got an ugly face but beautiful eyes, this is your year to shine, right? I, have any of you thought to yourself at least once, does my breath really smell like this? I've thought that many, many times. I also wanna say thank you, speaking of masks, I know it's inconvenient, I know sometimes it's an aggravation, but thank you, for bringing a mask with you and wearing it today during the entire service. It helps us allow to continue gathering together. It's also a practical way that we can love our neighbor. And then just for me, you know, I don't really enjoy wearing a mask, but I do it and I just tell myself, this may work for you, I've always wanted to be a superhero, and I just tell myself every time I put on a mask, I am Bane from Batman. Okay. There you go. Appreciate that. Three people clapped. I, I, I really tried hard. Hey, we are in the final week of our series called Letters to the Church. I'm really honored as one of the pastors to be able to close out this series today. It's something that we as a team put together really sensing that the Lord wanted to speak to his church today, not just because of the season we find ourselves living in, but because there's always something relevant from the scripture for us today. And we asked the question, what did it mean to them when they first read it? And then we asked the question, what does it mean to us now? And how do we apply it? And so I'm gonna be preaching today from uh, Revelation chapter three, and I'm gonna look at the passage where a lot of us are familiar with some of the phrases from that passage where Jesus uses the word lukewarm, and he talks about being hot or cold or being lukewarm. We're gonna unpack that today, and I thought I would uh, start off with a little illustration that could possibly potentially help all of us understand exactly what Jesus wants to say to us, his church, right now at New Spring. So um, fall is right around the corner. I'm so ready. I'm ready for it to be 52 degrees. I'm ready for the leaves to turn colors. I'm ready for college football. I'm ready to put on camouflage and climb in a deer stand and watch my breath as it leaves my mouth in steam form. I am ready for fall, and there's nothing I love more on a cool, crisp fall morning. To be sure, there's nothing I love better on a freezing cold December morning. I'll just go a little step further. There's nothing I love in the morning there's nothing I love any time of the day, any day of the year, three or four times a day than a delicious cup of hot black coffee. It is God's favorite drink, he told me in my quiet time. And so what I love to do is I love to get up in the morning and I'll drink, hey, I'll drink gas station coffee, I'll drink foo-foo coffee, I'll go to Methodical in downtown Greenville and pay $35 for an ounce. I, I am not afraid to do that, but there's nothing I enjoy more. I mean, I just, I just see that coffee right there and it makes me happy. It does. I, I just begin to worship the Lord. I feel like a better Christian already. I love coffee. It makes me a better human being. And so um, there's just nothing better. Some of you right now, your synapses are beginning to fire and you're wishing that you had this delicious cup of hot steaming coffee. You know what this is? It's useful for me. This cup of coffee is useful because it helps wake me up, helps make me feel good. It's a habit. It's a daily routine. And I want it 
to either give me energy or to warm me up when I'm cold. Now, we're still in summer, it's still August, it's hot in South Carolina, it's humid in South Carolina, there's nothing I like better on a hot day, if I've been working in the yard, if I've been out doing mulch, if I've been at the gym working out, if I've been playing basketball, if I'm hot, there's nothing I love more than a nice big cold glass of iced lemonade. And so, watch me, I've never worked at a restaurant, but I am married to a woman and I do work for her in her kitchen at my house. I've been, I've been practicing this, so look, see how I can, look at that. Uh, oh, oh, yes. And then, man, when you're hot and you're dehydrated, there's something about that, that lemony flavor. It's clean, it's crisp. Mmm, it's cold. And then I chomp the ice. I know I'm not supposed to, but I do it anyway because it cools me off. It's useful. If I'm hot, I want ice lemonade. If I'm cold or if I'm just waking up, I want a hot cup of coffee. They're both useful to me. But I'm gonna tell you something that I never see anybody do. I never see anybody put coffee. It's nasty, isn't it? That's just disgusting. That, that, is, that, is, that is as confusing to me as algebra. Why would, some, would, why would anyone in their right mind mix coffee and lemonade? Unless you're a middle school boy on a youth retreat and someone dared you to do something like this. Isn't that disgusting? And look at it. I mean, the cold sinks to the bottom, the hot rises to the top. You've got lemons marinating in hot coffee. But before long, you put hot coffee in a glass of cold lemonade and it's not hot or cold anymore. It's lukewarm. What if I took this right now? I would never do that to you. That's an image that nobody wants to have. But it's an image you won't forget. Because this is the image I want to put into your mind as we read what Jesus had to say to the church in Laodicea. Because what he had to say to them, he also has to say to us. So I wanna show you this scripture from Revelation chapter three as Jesus speaks the final word to the final of the seven churches in Asia Minor. He writes, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Watch what Jesus says. I know your works. It's important to our message today. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are, here's the word, lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. These are strong words. You are not this, you are not this church in Laodicea, you're a mixture of both. You're not useful. I've given you my spirit, I've given you my gospel, I've given you my presence, but you have become a mixture of two things. Two things that by themselves are useful, but together they're just lukewarm. And they are so disgusting that I will spit you out of my mouth if you get this way. Now he goes on to say in the next verse, for you say, I am rich. That's important. I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, 
that's important, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. What is this all about? Why is he talking about salve? Why is he talking about clothes? Why is he talking about being blind, rich, and being rich and, and having poverty? Because the church in Laodicea was living in a city that was known for some things. They were known for three primary things. Remember, we've learned this in this series. Every one of the seven churches that Jesus addresses, he is addressing them specifically based on their culture or something they were known for. It's Jesus' way of saying to them, I see you, I know you, I love you, I'm familiar with your life. And that applies to us. Jesus sees every one of my weaknesses. Jesus knows how frustrated I've been during the pandemic. Jesus knows that I have, even myself, I've struggled with discouragement because my routine has been upended. Jesus knows the things that make me feel joy and the things that make me feel sadness. He's saying to the church in Laodicea, I know the three things that you're known for, and Dr. Tony Evans put it this way. Dr. Tony Evans said that Laodicea was known as a city for three things. They were known for their fashion, they were known for their finances, and they were known for their pharmaceuticals. These were the three things they were known for in their region. And so what Jesus does is Jesus addresses all of them. He addresses their finances. You say, I am rich. He addresses their pharmaceuticals. You are blind, uh, salve to anoint your eyes. He addresses their fashion by talking about their nakedness and their shame, even though they think that they are well-dressed. This is Jesus' way of saying to them, you don't have to try to hide anything from me. This is Jesus' way of saying to you and me, I see you, I know you, I love you, don't hide from me. I'm there and I love you. I've already shown you that I love you. I died on the cross in your place to take away your sin. So this is an encouraging word for us today, but it's also a word that's meant to challenge us right now as the people of God. And then the next verse, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And this is the word we've talked about every week in this series, that repentance is a requirement for a Christian. We repent when we come to Christ for salvation, and as a Christian, I must repent daily. I must repent weekly. I must repent regularly. It is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Repentance is the door to intimacy with God. You don't just repent once when you get saved. As a matter of fact, proof of our salvation is that we continually repent. Proof of your salvation is not that you prayed a prayer when you were a kid at a youth camp. Proof of your salvation is not that you got baptized one time. Proof of your salvation is God reproves you and God disciplines you. That's the best way to know you're saved. Does God discipline you when you sin? Does God rebuke me in grace when I mess up? That lets me know I'm truly his. Behold, I stand at the door, verse 20, and knock. If anyone hears my voice and, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So the goal that Jesus had in mind when he inspired John in a cave on the island of Patmos to write this, this book that we call Revelation, which means the uncovering or the unveiling, the goal was intimacy. 
God corrects us so that we can have intimacy with him. God challenges us so that we can be close to him. God rebukes us and reproves us and corrects us because he wants better things for us and by nature better things for the world that we'll influence. And he's standing at the door and he's knocking because he wants to come in. And he closes out by saying, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And we need to hear what God has to say to New Spring Church today. I wanna hear, I wanna have ears to hear and a heart that obeys. So let's see some of the things from this passage that Jesus is saying to his church now. And let's listen and then let's obey. I don't wanna just have ears to hear. I wanna have a heart that will respond. So brace yourself for my first point, okay? Just brace yourself. It's gonna look a little edgy, maybe a little offensive. It might be a, a little blunt, but I don't wanna dumb down the Bible because I'm telling you, we're committed at this church as, as your pastors, as your leaders, we're committed to teaching the Bible. We're gonna teach the Bible to the people of God. And I'm not gonna skip over what Jesus said and I'm not gonna dumb it down or dull the sharp point of what Jesus is about to say, but I do wanna give context so that you and I understand exactly what this is about. Are you ready? Here's the first statement I wanna make that I believe Jesus is saying to us today. Here it is. We have the ability to make God sick. Church, we have the ability to make God sick. Christian, you have the ability to make God sick. Clayton has the ability to make God sick. Let me explain. You do not make God sick because of who you are. I do not disgust God. It's the things that we do that have the ability. It's our works that have the ability. It's my apathy. It's my pride. It's my ego. It's my insecurity. It's my anger. It's my inability to control my temper. It's when I mix the things of the world and the things of God that's what makes Jesus disgusted. So he doesn't look at you and me and get grossed out, but sometimes he does want to spit out of his mouth the mixture of worldliness and godliness that a lot of us often live in. I know I find myself here a lot. So it's my works that have the ability to make God sick. Have you ever, I mean, just think about this. A cup of hot coffee, if I leave it on the table long enough, it's gonna turn lukewarm cup of uh, cold lemonade with ice in it, if I leave it on this table long enough, it's gonna turn lukewarm. Is there anything more disgusting than picking up a glass or a cup, especially one with a top on it, and in your mind you assume you know what's in it and then you drink it and it's not what you thought was in it? That's happened to me a couple of times. I'm very embarrassed to admit that my wife and I both at different occasions with our two children uh, picked up containers that had been used on road trips in the back of a minivan. I will just let your imagination run wild with you. And what did I do? Some of you parents right now are going, yep, I did it too, I'm right there. I'm in the club, I'm in the pee-pee club, you're there. What do you do? You spit it out of your mouth because it's disgusting, it's gross. Or if you've ever like 
I know, I know none of the women probably do this, but so many guys that like to chug milk from the carton when you're young. You ever picked up a carton of milk to chug it and it's supposed to be regular milk, but it actually tastes and smells like buttermilk because it's spoiled, it's got clumps. That is the image we get here of God. Jesus saying, I will spit you out of my mouth because you're not hot, you're not cold, you're missing your purpose, you're missing your usefulness, but there's more to it. Let me explain, and I wanna use a map to show you exactly why this is important. Here's the town of Laodicea. It's in modern-day Turkey. Laodicea lies at the bottom in a valley of two mountain ranges. This past week, I had lunch with a friend named Ken Katayama from our Columbia campus. He's a dear brother, and Ken told me that he stood in Laodicea, and he looked up to his left and saw the mountains in Hierapolis. He looked up to his right and he saw the mountains in Colossae. Hierapolis was known then, famous for its hot springs. And people would come from all over the region to soak in its hot springs. As a matter of fact, not too far from here in North Carolina, there's a town called Hot Springs. I've been there. There are real natural hot springs. People believe that they have medicinal value and they can heal aches and pains and problems with your joints and even some skin issues. Not too far from where we are right now in Georgia, Franklin Springs, Georgia, our former president, FDR, would go there to soak in the hot springs because of how polio had affected his legs when he was alive. And so Hierapolis was known for its hot springs. Colossae was known for its cold springs. Cold water bubbled up out of the ground. The water was delicious. They also believed that it had healing properties, that it, it could heal stomach ailments. People would come to Colossae and they would buy water. They would take it home with them. Colossae would ship water all over the region. But guess what Laodicea was not known for? They were known for their finances, known for their pharmaceuticals, known for their fashion, but they were not known for having clean water to drink. As a matter of fact, the water in Laodicea was disgusting. It was lukewarm. You could not drink the water in Laodicea. It smelled like eggs because of the sulfur, because all of the hot water from Hierapolis would flow down the mountain into Laodicea, the cold water from Colossae would flow down the mountain into Laodicea, and here's what you got. You got this, and nobody wants this because this has no use. It's a mixture. Here's what Jesus is saying to his church. I don't expect you to be perfect, church. I know you're not. I don't expect you to always get it right. I know you won't. But what I want for you is not a mixture of the things of the world and the things of God. I want your whole heart. I want your whole emotion. I want all that you are. I want all of your, your passion. I want your devotion. Because you're gonna be happier and more fulfilled when you're completely and totally immersed in me. I love what John Piper says. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's what Jesus wants for us. And so Jesus, using the imagery that everybody at the church in Laodicea would have understood and connected to, if they took a sip of water from Laodicea, the smell of the sulfur, the taste of the eggs would disgust them and they would spit it right out. Jesus says, that's how I think, that's what I feel whenever the world is mixed into the things of God. We are in the world, children, but we are not of the world. And so I hope that you'll remember this map and I hope you'll remember Laodicea and where it was and what they were known for and how Jesus loved them so much he would tell them, don't be lukewarm, be hot or be cold. I just want you to be useful because I've given you a purpose. And you're gonna find great joy when you walk in your purpose. And you're gonna find great joy when you do what I've 
birthed in you to do. You're gonna find great joy when I'm using you with the gifts I've given you through my spirit and you are doing what I created you to do. And I think that when we look at Laodicea and we realize that they were known for their money, their fashion, for the drugs they created, they were a famous city, they were very successful, but we can be successful without being useful. We can be really, really successful without being useful. I know all across the state right now, uh, some of you are not able to come and gather with us and we understand we're ready when you are. Some of you are. We were really surprised last week and even this week at the numbers, way better than we thought they would be. We have a lot of folks here at our church across our campuses that are successful. I like being successful. I wanna be successful. We have a lot of, of college students from Carolina and Clemson and the Citadel and Wofford and Anderson University. This room right here is full of students from AU, a school that I love dearly, that I'm a part of. And I wanna say to every college student here, I hope you're successful. I hope you make a lot of money. I hope you tithe off of it and I hope you bless the kingdom of God and build the church. But you can be, listen to me, because some of y'all are just getting started on your degree and you're just starting down that road and some of us have been successful for decades. It is easy to be financially successful but to be spiritually useless. It's possible. And Jesus had something to say about that. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but lose their own soul? Or what can one give in exchange for their soul? This past week found out that Jeff Bezos has now surpassed $200 billion in his personal net worth, the richest man to ever live. Way to go, Jeff. Good job. But I think Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, or King Solomon, or Rockefeller, or any of the rich people that we would know by name, Steve Jobs and the list goes on, could be a reminder to us that we can be successful, but you can't take it with you. That's why you never see a U-Haul being pulled behind a hearse on the way to the graveyard. Jesus wants us to be useful. Jesus said to Laodicea, I know your works, I know how hard you work, but you know what? You're just not useful anymore. Here's a confession for me. During the, uh, the pandemic, the lockdown, man, I've struggled. I really have. I've struggled emotionally. I've struggled mentally. Um, there were a lot of things I had planned that did not work out. Big things. Big, big things that not only me personally and my family, but our ministry. Um, and I really had to, ask myself this question, why am I feeling so out of sorts here? And I'm telling you, I realize this because I, I go to a counselor, I, I try to stay healthy, I, I pay somebody a lot of money to tell me I'm not crazy, and it's money well spent. And I realize this about myself, I like to succeed. I like to get it done. I wake up early in the morning. I've always, almost in a sinful way, taken pride that I will outwork anybody. I'm a hard worker, grew up on a farm, love to work, love to get it done. There, I will actually make a list in the morning of everything I need to do that day, and I love just, man, it just releases endorphins in my brain when I check out that box or I can delete that off my notes app. Man, it gives me this feeling of satisfaction. As a matter of fact, I'm so obsessed with success and getting tasks accomplished that I will complete a task that I did not know I needed to put on the list. I will go back and put it on the list just so I can scratch through it or check it off and delete it. Is anybody else in that place with me? Is anybody else crazy like me? I'm not by myself. Thank you, Jesus. So what I found is that when I'm not successful in ways that I'm used to being successful, it bothers me. I miss it. And I wonder in my own life if I've allowed some of this to happen. 
if I become lukewarm? Because maybe Jesus in this season has been telling me and maybe he's been telling you there are more important things than your job, than your money, than your paycheck, than your investments, than your degree. There are more important things than getting it done. There are more important things than knocking it out. There are more important things. I want you to be useful. Stop working so hard and running so fast to get the job done and get the list accomplished and notice the person that's in front of you. Notice the ministry I'm putting right there in front of you. Notice the conversation that you would normally rush through that now you have time for. Instead of saying, I'm so sick and tired of being cooped up in the house with my family, look at it as an opportunity to get to know the people that you love the most. There's one more thing I believe the scripture here will tell us though. It's possible to do church and leave Jesus out. It is. I don't think New Spring is doing this. I actually think we're doing a really good job of not leaving Jesus out. But in this scripture, what do we see? The church, Christians, they're inside the church talking and Jesus is outside the church knocking. It means he's out, they're in, going about their business. Imagine this, the church is inside, they're having their potluck meal, they're having their Bible study, they're reading the scripture, they're singing their, their songs, Passion, Hillsong, Bethel, old hymns. And the whole time, they're just going through the motions, doing their deal, and Jesus is outside. Hey, is anybody gonna let me in? That's why at New Spring Church, you hear it every single Sunday. Our mission is, our vision is to be a life-giving church marked by the presence of God activating us to impact others. We don't want Jesus to be on the outside knocking, saying, can I come into my church? Y'all are talking a lot about me. I would love to come and be a part of it. That's the image from Revelation 3, but I wanna brag on you and encourage you, New Spring. We can go through the motions or we can get on mission. Those are the choices. And I wanna brag on New Spring Church. I wanna, I wanna boast in the Lord in our church. What we've seen during the pandemic is we have seen the people of New Spring Church step up. We've seen the people of New Spring Church give, continue to tithe, continue to support the ministries that we support. We've seen people from New Spring Church show up at our campuses and put together care packages for our law enforcement officers who lay it on the line every day to protect us, who have put together packets for our healthcare workers, our first responders, our school teachers. I've gotten so many text messages, I'm sure your campus pastor has too, of people saying, thank you so much for caring enough about me to do that small act of kindness for me. Way to go, New Spring Church, way to go. I'm glad that we're not just going through the motions. We're on mission. That's what God wants for us. I wanna leave you with three questions to consider as we close out this series and get ready for next week, what are some ways I could be more useful to the kingdom? Not successful, useful. Is there something that you and I could do, something personally that we could do to be more useful to the kingdom? Number two, is Jesus knocking on my heart and trying to tell me something? Is Jesus trying to get our attention? Is he speaking to you? Open the door. He's not gonna come in and be angry and scream and yell at you. No, he, he says it right there in verse 20. If you open the door, I'll come in and I will dine with you and you with me. 
We'll have sweet, sweet fellowship. We'll have intimacy together. You will be marked by my presence if you open the door when I knock. And the third question I want you to ask yourself, what is Jesus saying to his church at New Spring right now? What's he telling us? He's telling us a lot. We don't know it all. We have a big staff. We have lots of volunteers. We're a big family. And Jesus is speaking to us. We don't know how things may change in the future, but we know that we're gonna say yes to whatever assignment Jesus has for us. And so I want you to discuss these questions in your group. If you're part of a group, and I hope all of you are, talk about these in your group. Talk about them today at lunch with your family. Talk about them on the drive home or the drive back to campus. What is Jesus saying to to us right now? But I do want to, before we pray, I wanna ask you this. What's Jesus saying to you that you need to do right now? The seven letters are letters to churches. And I'm, what we believe we're gonna see at New Spring is people inside the church getting saved. People inside the church who, who know things about Jesus in their head, but they need to give their heart fully to Jesus. And I'm wondering if maybe today at one of our campuses, there are church people inside the church, but Jesus is knocking and you're ready to open your heart to him and, and invite him in. And so I just want the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now. I'm gonna ask at every one of our campuses and locations, would you just close your eyes? I wanna pray for you, but I also wanna give you a moment to pray. Maybe you are a Christian. And like I've gotten before in my life, even recently, you've grown maybe a little apathetic, maybe a little lazy, maybe triggered by all the wrong things, enraged and upset and offended by everything, when in reality, Jesus has something useful for us to do. Maybe that's you. I want you to take a minute right where you sit at your campus. And I want you to listen for that loving, kind voice of Jesus. What's he telling you? What's he saying to you right now? Open your heart wide. Invite his presence in in a real way. And if you need to give your life to Christ, pray this to him right now, right where you sit, in one of our buildings or at your house, watching online. If you know he's knocking and you need to be saved, invite him to come into your life right now. Pray this to him. Jesus, I need you. I hear you knock. I open my heart to you. I repent of my sin. I give you my life. Save me right now, Jesus. I'm yours. Everybody, if you just open your eyes and look at me for a moment, if you just prayed to receive Christ, or if you need someone to help you, maybe you're in a tough spot, maybe you're going through some discouragement during this difficult season, would you just, if you need anything from us or specifically, If you just prayed to receive Christ, text the word CARE to 30303. Just take out your phone right now. Text the word CARE to 30303. We're a church that cares about the people. And we have people that wanna help serve you and care for you. Next Sunday is a brand new series called Marked by the Presence. We're gonna get to hear from Pastor Dan Leanne. It's gonna be a great Sunday. I can't wait to see you back here next Sunday. If you will, just stay seated right where you are and someone's gonna come and give you some instructions on how to safely exit our buildings. God bless, see you next Sunday.